when right. you first got to the varsity football team at Hidalgo, who was the first person to kick your butt? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment for you? Uh, we were playing St. Joseph's Academy over at St. Joseph's in Brownsville. They had a big dude, middle linebacker, running back. He's pretty big, about 6'1", about 225. He, wow. he was a dude. Yeah. So I break a bootleg on the sideline, and um, and I think, man, I'm in the clear, but safety's coming over the top, so I kind of stopped to try to cut in. And that was the last thing I remember other than sliding. Back <laughs> then, they had cinder tracks, you know? Yep. So I got hit, and it had been raining down here, so I got hit, and I slid all the way to the track to the eighth lane, man. And it was one of those I got up with a big oh neck. <laughs> so that, that was like, you're not in Kansas anymore, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's varsity football. It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy All right, welcome back to another brand new edition of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 32, I got a special guest today, one of our longtime listeners, Mark Parrish Recommended this guest straight to me, said you got to get this coach on your show they, they take long car rides from Austin back up to Sherman at Austin College, you know, where they all went to school, and they just talk football the whole time. So I'm looking forward to talking to this wealth of football knowledge today. He is the offensive coordinator at La Jolla High School and another Austin College kangaroo, just like myself. Welcome, Carlos Longoria, to the show. Thank you. Pleasure having – pleasure being here with you. All right. Thank you, Coach. And for everyone listening, if you're if you're loving the Team Player Podcast, please take that 10 seconds to give us the five-star review wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's going to help more people find this show so they can hear story, awesome stories like Coach's story. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest episodes in your queue as soon as they come out. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm James Kobaleski. I'm your host, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let's go ahead and dive into it. We were kind of chatting before the show. All the listeners know I collect sports jerseys, so every time a guest comes on, I find out who their favorite teams are, and I wear a jersey in their honor. Now, for you, you said you were a Longhorns fan, but I've already, I've already played that card. I wore my Longhorns jersey for the Chris Fisher episodes. So I was like, let me do something different. You said you're a big fan of Texas prep high school quarterbacks that are in the NFL. So you basically root for those guys. I actually don't have one. I do not have a jersey of a Texas prep quarterback, but I have, I'm have. i pretty close. I got the old Eric Dickerson Rams jersey for you. And you said you had a little bit of a story where you, you kind of, you got a little Eric Dickerson story you can share with us. Yes. Uh, my high school coach, Juan Alvarez, uh, tells us a story that we went to the regional meet. Uh, he looks out there and there's a good old boy taking up two lanes running the 100-yard dash. That's back when it was a hundred yard dash. Yep, yep. <laughs> he's he's asking himself, who is this guy in in this in this meet? Who's this big boy running the the hundred? After the race, he realized, okay, now I know why. It was Eric Dickerson. <laughs> he won a hundred. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny that you're wearing that jersey because, like I said, I'm a schoolboy 
quarterback, but schoolboy Texas football, period. Earl Campbell, Eric Dixon, my two favorite running backs, you know, of all time. And that uh, is awesome. Pony Express. Yeah. You know, and Lance McElhaney and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, um, Roger Craig, you know, that yeah, was oh yeah. back in the eighties, you know? And so I've always been a fan of high school, Texas high school, uh, uh, players, you know, that's just, that's just who I am. That's how I I'm built, I guess. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you, you, you mentioned, uh, that, and I, I just, I was like, I, I had no idea that Eric Dickerson, cause we, we talked a little bit before the show. I found out some, some things about you, but I did not know Eric Dickerson, you know, was one of your favorites. So that, that's a good omen. We're going to have a great show today. <laughs> All right. So your early life coach, you grew up, uh, first you grew up in Houston. So I'm curious, what part of Houston were, were you in uh, for elementary school? I went to school at Harvard elementary. I graduated from Harvard, baby. Harvard. Harvard Elementary, there off of uh, right by uh, the Heights Boulevard area between High, right Heights and uh, 11th Street, just inside. That's the area. I grew up off of 11th Street and Studiwood. There was a corner there. There was a barbecue place there right behind that, 10th and a half Street. And that's where we grew up, elementary school. Coach, this is crazy small world. I live kind of near uh, Houston Avenue and White Oak Avenue, which You're is basically kidding. like sick turns into sixth street so i live within a couple miles of where you grew up i definitely know 11th <laughs> studio that coach this is crazy and we're both austin college kangaroos what a small world so where did you go to middle school did you go to well i, I grew up in sugarland actually so okay. i'm a suburban kid growing up I, I grew up in fort bend county i grew up i went to sugarland middle school and eventually to a stephen f austin fort bend austin high school um, but now as an adult, my wife and I decided we wanted to live close to the city. And so I live kind of in that area where you grew up. So, oh, wow, man, yeah. that, that place is really booming now. Yeah. You know, no. Last 10 years, that place really changed the dynamics of what it was back in the seventies when I was growing up. So I, I'm going to issue a challenge to Austin college historian, Mark Parrish. I want, oh. after he listens to this episode, it's going to be a while to release this. We're recording in July, but I've got a bunch of episodes. This will release in October, but I want him to come up with a root tale about the Heights, the Houston Heights. I'm sure he can find a, a great uh, root tale about the Houston Heights. So, so much okay. history. But okay. then, okay, so eventually you moved down to the Rio Grande Valley in the Las Milpas area uh, for junior high and high school. So tell us about that move. What, what, what led you to move and, and how did you enjoy living in Las Milpas? Uh, in the 70s in Houston, things were pretty hot. Um, and uh, yours truly was always getting in trouble. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so dad, uh, dad had an ultimatum and uh hog junior high was a junior high right down the street from our house and, and you know there was always oh fight gosh. And this coach i'm sorry to interrupt you but hog yes that, that's where my my son when he grows up will, will go he, he will go to hog high school that, that is just unbelievable so and he'll so go to travis got, elementary so different elementary than you okay but very close so yeah yeah so hog, hog middle school is right <laughs> there down the street from us so it, it there was always fights uh, yeah. and back then it was a racial tension mm -hmm. um so my dad decided, you know, it wasn't safe, uh, moved us down. I, I, I'm going to come from a large family. We're yeah. six, five boys and a girl. I'm the second oldest. So dad said, uh, no, you're too many. You know, he gave me one last chance and I kind of I, I kind of flubbed on it. So <laughs> we moved down South Texas to Las Milpas. Uh, he stayed working in Houston because really there was no work down here. Uh, Las Milpas, so that you can understand, is it's a rural area south of Far. And it's northeast of Hidalgo, and it's a rural area. We grew up Caliche roads, dirt roads. Um, you know, it was just it was 
it was total of 180 from growing up inner city Houston, you know, to right. growing over there. But uh, we moved down there and, and, you know, just enjoyed, uh, went to school at Hidalgo uh, junior high, where I started learning about sports. I got involved in every sport you can think of. I played football, I played basketball, ran track, played baseball. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. Small town, you know, it was a three high school back in the day. So I enjoyed every bit of it, you know. So as you said, you know, you, you end up matriculating through, you go to Hidalgo high school, your high school coach was Juan Alvarez, but really yes. you said your greatest coaching influence came from your position coach who was Brooks Conover Jr. And this is a Mark Parrish thing where he, he messaged me some of his Mark Parrish notes and he, he gave me some history. Uh, he said that Brooke Conover's dad was the legendary Gramps Conover, a legendary coach at Ennis and Cleburne from 1930 to 1960. So do you, anything you want to share about Co Coach Conover or, or his father or your, your Definitely experience? Definitely, both of them. Well, first of all, Coach Conover Brooks uh, Jr., he, he came aboard. Uh, I remember he got hired during the regional meet time. I was running. I bit the hurdles. I ran the 110s, and I bit the one of the hurdles, and I crashed and burned. And so I was in the trainer there taping my ankle. He comes up with his wife, Mary, and he – Looks, I don't know this guy, right? He comes up with Coach Alvarez and he goes, is he a junior or a senior? And the trainer looks up, he goes, what? Junior or senior? And I go, well, I'm a junior. Why? He goes, well, if he's a senior, just take him out back and shoot him. He's no good anymore. <laughs> so that was the introduction to Brooks. Yeah. Great guy. Um, just so you understand, this, there's five boys and a girl. Four of us are coaches because of Coach Conover. Wow. The influence he had on yeah. us. Yeah. So he really, really, he was the reason why we went. I played college football. He's the reason for it a great mentor, great man. He's like a grandfather to me now, but his dad, gross Papa Conover, Conover, uh, Bruce Conover senior was on in the inaugural Texas high school coaches association board of directors. Wow. Been inducted into Texas high school coaches association hall of fame. He coached at Cleburne high school and he coached two dudes, uh, two guys by the name of, uh, um, uh, Pat Culpepper and, um, David McWilliams. Okay. And if you know the names, they were the team captains of the UT, I think, 62 national championship. I've heard of Mick Williams. I didn't know the first okay. one, but yes. Mick Williams, yeah. was the, he was the head coach at UT. That's, and there you go. That's why. 80, yeah. 90, I mean, the 80s, mid 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's Gross Papa coached him. Another quick note, Gross Papa, his name, the stadium at Cleveland is named after him, Brooks Conover Sr. Man, so, very cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, that's that. I've always taken a lot of joy in, and he's the, they're the reason why I really got into you know, this love for football, this fascination for football and the history of football, hearing the stories from them, you know, so. That's excellent, coach. I mean, it, you you guys like you and Mark Parrish, your your recall and your memory just amazes me that you, you're still, you know, you're remembering all these stories from all these years ago. And so I, I'm so, it's just such a treat that you're here with us today. Um, so now you move on, you know, you had a great career at Hidalgo. You, you fell in love with the game thanks to Coach Conover. And you said that he kind of helped convince you, right, to go to Austin College. So what what was his connection to Austin College? Like, how, how did he convince you to go to Austin College? Well, he knew our defensive coordinator at the time, uh, Brooks, uh, uh, Coach Coach Conover. Brooks knew Coach Vance Morris at Austin College. Oh, okay. They met through SCA, I believe. And um, so, you know, he's the one. I had no clue that I could play college football out of high school. You know, I would, yeah. come on, who goes to college? So I'm the first one to go play college football. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, you cool. know, so I, I have no clue. I'm like, what really? Is it a joke? <laughs> so he takes me on recruiting trips to different places. Um, I, the reason I gravitated to Austin college was because um, people that I knew in, in, in our inner circle superintendent at Hidalgo at the time, Dr. Aleko Salinas junior was like a godfather to me. And 
And he introduced me to people like Kika La Garza, who was a state, you know, Senator Kika La Garza. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a couple other people. And, and when he told them, well, these are the schools he's looking at, they're like Austin college, great school. You know, my, right. yep. my, my, my attorney buddies from law school, Austin college, the sure. doctor that was that where I would go get my physicals from Dr. Um, um, Carlos, um, I can't remember the last name. I want to honor him because he was uh, one of the main reasons. Um, Golinas, Carlos Golinas, the late mm-hmm. Carlos Golinas. And he asked me, where, where are you pointing? And I, again, I started telling him. And he goes, Austin College, great school. Yeah. All my bunch of buddies of mine from pre-med went to school there. Yeah. So, you know, you start getting an idea. Well, man, this is a pretty daggum school. Every other mm-hmm. school, they don't say anything. Austin College, these professionals, boom, they jump. So, sure, sure. You know, it kind of worked itself out. I visited Austin College. Uh, really like the coaches, Coach Mel Churchman, another wow, great influence yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, um, you know, when you go on recruiting trips, it's funny because you go on these trips and the guys that host you are the guys who, whose positions you're going to be fighting for. You know? <laughs> so sometimes yeah. there's tension there. Some of the yeah. other went, <laughs> yeah. there was tension there. Here, the, the guys were great. Anthony Patricks and Roger McKnight, they, they're really the reason they closed the deal for me, you know? You know what's so cool about that is just that I hear that story over and over. And I mean, we've done a lot of Austin College episodes. I'm an Austin College alum. And you played you played on the 1988 team. I graduated right. in 2006. I've had Ben Moran as one of our guests that graduated in the mid 2010s, you know, so there's a huge age gap. But really, we keep telling the same story over and over and over again. And every time it's once we went on that recruiting trip, like we, we knew the school had a good reputation. But once we went on that recruiting trip, the, the deal was sealed because we just met a bunch of like like-minded people and we just felt like we fit in. And it's, and that's, that's the cool thing, coach. I mean, there's such, there's, you know, a fairly large age gap between you and I, but I still feel like we're cut from the same cloth. You know, we, you know, and that's, that's the cool thing about Austin college. That is correct. You know, there's nothing like a fighting marsupial, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Absolutely. So you, you, you go up there, you know, to Sherman, um, you're playing football there. You were on several strong teams, including the 1988 TIAA championship team. So just what are your memories of, of, of the, the football at Austin College? Uh, the, the, the biggest memory is that, that awful smell from, from the <laughs> margarine factory. <laughs> I, I hear the stories, but it, it, it was – I just <laughs> it missed it, Coach. time you got there, yeah. huh? Oh, I just man. missed it. <laughs> well, you missed the, the best part. That's very that, – that, that's, that's, that's ingrained in our memory. But, you know, really – the biggest thing was, again, the people you meet. And for me, playing for Coach uh, Churchman and, and, and Coach Morris, you know, for people that aren't aware, Mel Churchman was inducted into the NCAA Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. okay? And he was inducted with Frank Beamer and Mac Brown. Yeah. You look at the resume, you know, I call Coach Churchman and tell him, boy, you know, you got spur marks of carrying these guys in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Coach Churchman's resume is pretty impressive. Yes. Uh, but the people that they were, you know, and as a coach, you appreciate it because now as a coach, you know, and as a man and as a father, um, you appreciate those men that transcended football. It was not just about football. It was about developing young men. And Coach Morris, you know, he he's another man who I just love, you know, completely love. And and uh, he was very instrumental in um, also and and pushing me in direction in the direction of coaching, you know his influence and he one of the greatest men I ever known, you know, so I've been uh, very fortunate to be impacted by 
coaches who were not just great coaches, but great men. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Love to, love to hear that. And, you know, you said you were the first of your family to go on to college. And you you also went on into Greek life. You were a Ro Lambda Theta, uh, member Ro Lambda Theta there with Mark right. Parrish at Austin right. College. And, you know, the cool thing that Mark was sharing with me is that whenever you guys go up for reunions or Legends Weekend or things like that, you'll fly into Austin, you'll meet Mark, and you guys will drive together up to Sherman, then you'll drive back to the airport and you just talk football the entire time. And you mentioned there's a couple other, um, couple other uh, fraternity brothers that will also follow your teams and you guys are just talking football. And I just think that's so cool. All these years later, they're still following your teams and take a rooting interest in you. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the, the great thing about it is, I, actually, I wasn't the first to go to college. My older brother. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's an electric He's the only non-coach, non-educated. He's an electric oh, okay. yeah. But I was the first one to go play ball. That's football. what it was. Okay, yes. Actually, for my family, even for Midalgo, no one had ever gone off and done it and stayed, you know. Um, but with Mark, respect to Mark and, and the Rolands, uh, Bill Didlake, shout out to Bill Didlake. He was my teammate, free safety. Mark, uh, Chris Medlin, outside linebacker. Frank Tooley uh, played DB. Uh, John Talley played quarterback in um, that time. And Bill started coming down. I started coaching in the Valley in, in 92. Bill started coming down. Bill and Frank started coming down for a game once wow. a year. That's awesome. And it grew. It just grew in mushroom. Yeah. So I was a head coach for 15 years at three different stops. And and it was amazing that a contingency of Austin College, mm-hmm. Roland Theta, would show up down in the valley once a year. Sometimes as many as 13 or 14 guys would come down. That's awesome. And then just, you know, in the places that I've been, everybody's like, the funny story was that Raymondville, <laughs> Raymondville comes out a little small community, farming community north of Harlingen. And uh, ex-superintendent, Mr. Green, comes and asks one of our coaches, who are them white fellas down on the sideline? I thought I knew all the white folks in, in Raymondville. He goes, no, those are Coach Longoria's uh, fraternity buddies. They come down once a year. Well, that's a great thing, you know? Yeah. So that that just, to me, that just goes back to um, Austin College. There's something unique yeah. about Austin College. My father always tells me because my older brother graduated from A&I. Uh, I got mm-hmm. two younger brothers that graduated from A&M. I got a sister who graduated from UT uh, – what it's uh, Pan American University now, yep. UTRT. Yep. And my youngest brother graduated from uh, uh, Southwest Texas State. Yeah. And my father always says, you know, I just, he's, he's always, he's always admired the closeness that we have in our group. Right. And it's, it's incredible because it just, it doesn't matter what age we were, you know, we just got back that trip that Mark was telling you about. Yeah. So you get about 15, you know, anywhere between, 50, 49, 50, 55, 56 year old guys thinking they're 18 for about 30 minutes. <laughs> come back down to reality quick, right? Yeah. But the, the interesting thing is that we're right back where we were yep. 30 years ago, yep. 20 years ago, yep. 10 years ago. This is, we don't skip a beat. I love that's it. Me. That's something, you know, again, I've had, I have friends all over the place. You don't find that. You don't find that. That's the unique thing about Austin College. Absolutely. And then you're our second, uh, you know, Mark also recommended a, a fellow Rolam, uh, Pat Abernathy, who was a, yes. a baseball player. So um, you, know, you both now, both of you are, are, have the honor of being called team player podcast alums, you there know? You and so just, I'm curious, every, you know, he had a great episode talking to his rugby game. I mean, and anything that you remember about Pat that you can share with the listeners? Pat was a great dude, man. He, he just, 
you know, you meet these people and, and, and that's one thing about the Royal Amps too, the quality of individuals, you know, you got quid pro quo type of guys and you got transactional type of guys, right? And then you got transformational. And Mark, uh, Pat Abernathy was from the word get-go, one of those trans transformational type of dudes, man. Someone you just wanted around, you know, always positive. Yeah. You know, always fun to be with. And he was a pledge, you know, and when they're pledges, you, you know, you, you, you work them hard, you know, but yeah. I mean, it was just fun to have those guys and, and just that we all embody the same ideals, you know, and, and, and have the same mindset. And it's just amazing. We come from different backgrounds and yet we're all, we all match. We're, I, I told them we were at up there this week at a, a couple of weekends ago in Greenville at the, uh, Kevin Pittman's Lake house, another shout out to another one of the fraternity brothers. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, you know, we're, we're that experiment. We're the American experiment. All yeah. these different backgrounds, all these different cultures come together and we just mesh. And it's like, I mean, hey man, belong. Yeah. We belong. Yeah. Pat Abernathy was one of those guys. I mean, he was he fit right in the mold. And you know, he did he's doing great things. I did not know he was a, a rugby coach until Mark told me that he wanted yeah. to stay pat. I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, that's great to hear. Yeah, I, I love that. The American experiment. You know, we are the American experiment. I, I just love that. That that is that's touching, Coach. And you, you're so right. When people get get the opportunity to know each other, beautiful things can happen. Um, yeah. yeah. And once you know, talk about transformational people. My favorite part from the Pat Abernathy episode was learning that my head football coach, David Norman, was his head baseball coach. So I don't know if you if you and Coach Norman, Norman interacted much, but I, I did. That was news to me, or at least I'd forgotten about it. That, that was a pretty cool story. <laughs> you you want to hear something cool? Yes. Call me was my defensive back coach my second my sophomore year at Austin College wow oh my gosh I love it the connections <laughs> just keep on coming tell us some stories everybody's got a great every single one of my guests loves coach Norman and has some great funny stories coach Norman's one of those guys that just has lots of funny little one-liners and zingers and stuff so do you have any good, good oh uh, there's a bunch on him <laughs> but the one thing I remember most about coach Norman one year his first year there he took the DBs to uh, we went to one of our teammates uh, apartments darren davis and uh, he cooked for us yeah yeah he cooked fajitas yeah you know he cooked fajitas you know of course I, I i didn't i didn't have the heart to tell him coach those are the real fajitas coach today you know but <laughs> Texas, we know how to cook fajitas it's yeah he's from but, east texas now so it's yeah, he's, he's, no he's he's up from he's he's up from uh the big sandy big you know? sandy yeah yeah you know so uh he's from west texas up there and but I didn't have the heart to tell him, but I, you know, it was just good. And the fact that he did that brought us together, you know, um, letting us know, Hey, I care about you guys. You're more than just players to me. So that's one thing that I always took to heart from David, you know, coach Norman. Absolutely. And then once you began your coaching career, you really, you really got into a lot of leadership roles. I know you're very proud of, and I think that, you know, your experience probably with the Roe Lambs and becoming a transformational person, you know, impacted that, but you served on the Rio Grande Valley coaches association board of directors from 2000 and to 2008 including being the president uh, in 0708 and you also were on the texas high school coaches association board of directors for region 7 from 2018 to 2013 now i just recently got back from coaching school in san antonio which as i'm sure you did as well yes. just so cool to, i think it was a record-setting year right for the most coaches right. to attend so right. can you explain how important it is to be involved in the THSCA and in your professional organization. So for coaches listening to this, can you explain now that since you were in a leadership position as a director, why is it so important for all of us coaches in the state to be involved in the organization? 
Well, you know, from your local area, you know, you always want to have local buy-in. You want to be united. Um, and that's one thing young coaches don't get. And I, I get pretty upset at that, that we don't understand the importance of it. You know, uh, back a few years, right now, right now we're fighting to, you know, we continue to fight to keep the athletic period because nobody in the country does it but us. We're unique in that point. Um, and they don't understand that, that if we don't come together and we don't, you know, unite on one front, you know, we can lose some of the things that are important to us. Like, you know, years ago, the health became uh, health certification became obsolete, you know, and, and it impacted a lot of people's lives, you know. So at the local level, it's important because we have local scholarships that we provide for the people. Um, we have an all-star game that we have here at the state level, which is the most important one. You know, we had people advocating for us at the Capitol, you know, and and pushing for the things that we believe in, mm-hmm. then the, the, the things that are important to us. And, and people don't understand that Texas High School Coaches Association is involved with legislators every day. OK, and we have people there advocating for us and fighting for us not to lose our athletic period, you know, to, to keep rules and regulations in place that are going to help us help us vote for people that are going to be pro education pro, you know, uh, athletics. And, and that's why, you know, you get a grassroots movement, you get, what was the record? 15 that it showed up, attended, right? About 15,000. I thought it was in the 16s, but it was close. 15 or 16,000. I think it was 15 when they pre-register. And then after the people that flowed in, it might have been more. Correct. Correct. But if you take a look at that and the ones that didn't come, you're talking about, and I'm going to go out and let them say about between 23 to 25,000 coaches that are involved with the association okay so if you're a math guy you know think about it you know exponentially how that grows Mm -hmm. so if you're these legislators that you're trying to pass these bills and make them laws that affect us adversely and we get that message out okay so it's exponential so think about it two times four times eight times now you're talking, you know, and, and the hundred thousands, 200,000 people, maybe half a million, maybe a million people out there saying, wait a minute, Jack, you can't do that. Yeah. That's how it works for us. Absolutely. That's why it's important for us. So, you know, and, and for me, it was the greatest thrill, thrill professionally uh, to be involved in both associations, especially a Texas high school uh, coaches association. I was there when coach DW Rutledge was the director. And let me tell you, that was pretty cool being with yep. DW. Yep. Very cool. Now, as far as somebody, let's, let's go, let's run through some of your coaching stuff. So it all started uh, as a, and I did, I did the same thing. So again, we're so similar. I also stayed for a GA year, but uh, you were a GA for coach Churchma uh, that first year at Austin college. So what was that like back at that time, you know, uh, being a graduate assistant? I mean, it just, football has been in my life, part of my life, you know, junior high, high school. I didn't really, it came down to, I didn't know what to do with that football. Mm-hmm. And Coach Churchman asked me if I wanted to stay on, and I said, definitely. So I stayed on, coached that year, and it was just fun. But it was weird because you're working, you're coaching guys that were your teammates. Yeah. You were buddies, you know? Yeah. And, and, but it, it was a cool introduction to, man, maybe this is what I want to do, you know? This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Um, and then from there, you know, um, I went back home to yeah. Hidalgo, you know? I went to Hidalgo. Uh, the reason for going home is I have my three younger siblings that I had never seen play. Right. I kind of wanted to be around them, you know, um, 
So I coached Lady Hidalgo. I was offered uh, Chris Cavazzo, who was the head coach at the time. Uh, they had a secondary opening. I played, you know, defensive back in college. So they offered me the spot. So I started coaching. Um, I coached my two young, uh, two of my brothers, the two that went to A&M, David and Danny. I coached them there. I was a position coach. Okay. Uh, my youngest brother, Sam, he was in junior high at the time. Uh, so I got, to, I was a varsity football coach, freshman, JV and 3A. I coached track and field. Yeah. I coached, uh, and the junior high coach football, basketball, and track and field in the junior high. Yeah. And also a whopping uh, $3,000 stipend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> wow. That's incredible. <laughs> so, so from there we go to, I got a, I got a job offer. I was there at 93. I left to my brother, Danny, uh, the, the, the youngest of the two, uh, David and Danny had graduated. So him and David were at A&M. So I get an uh, offer to be the head track coach and coach secondary at Raymondville. Mm -hmm. So I took off to Raymondville. Uh, my youngest brother decides, I don't want to stay here. I want to go with you. So okay. I'll pick course i pissed off a lot of hidalgo people because he ended up being a really i mean a stellar athlete yeah. uh, a 13 8 over the high school highs wow uh, yeah, yeah. And he was a heck of a football player long jumper triple jumper 46 feet in the triple yeah I mean, the stud. He, he was a decathlete at texas state so yeah. you know we go to raymondville i'm the head track coach five years we won uh several district titles we won a regional title in 2000 um coach uh, Jim Height gets hired uh Sam's I guess my fourth year there the spring of 97 he offers me the OC job so yeah, yeah. sure so I'm the offensive coordinator two more years uh 98 we went to the quarterfinals lost to Quetel and then he leaves and they offer me the head job so I become the head coach you know and then in 2000 we won the district title area by district area regional we lost in the regional championship to Senton so I was there five and five wow. years as a football coach. And, um, and then I move on to mission veterans because I commute the Valley, the way it's, it's set up, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little spread. It, you know, it's like a metropolis. If you go from Brownsville to uh, the La Jolla area, yep. mm -hmm. and, uh, there's a lot of schools in between. I moved my family to Edinburgh, which is pretty much central location, mm -hmm. Edinburgh, on far area mission. And I was driving to Raymondville, which was at about, a 55 minute commute every day. Mm. And so the job opened up at mission, at mission veterans, which 15 minutes from my house, my boys were growing up. So, you know, it's a no brainer, better pay. Yeah. Uh, so we commissioned veterans and we were there for five years. Um, so I was the head coach there, uh, five years. Um, then we went from there, we made the playoffs. My first year we lost to GP. We faced a GP team that had Connell Davis at running back, which, Man, they were a buzz out. They were the number one ranked team in the state at that time. So, yeah. And we found out why really quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, from there, I went to La Jolla. I was the offensive coordinator at La Jolla for two years. And then the Rio Grande City job opened up. I applied, got that job, went there, uh, coached at Rio Grande City. Uh, go back to Mission Veterans. At Mission Veterans, two of my brothers worked with me. So, not only have I coached my brothers, they've worked with me. Wow. Uh, Sam, my youngest, and David. Uh, He's the one right after me. Um, and uh, so when I went to Rio Grande City and took the job at Rio Grande City, Sam, my youngest brother, became my offensive coordinator. Okay. 
And, um, and then my other brother, Danny, who was now the head coach at Mission High School, Mission Eagles. Wow. Yeah. Came in with my receiver coach and girls head track coach. Um, there at Rio, we coached. I got to coach my youngest, my oldest son, Christian, and got to coach my youngest son, Caleb. So uh, from Rio Grande City, I went to PSA Southwest. I was the OC at Southwest. I was at Rio for five years. Got in the playoffs twice. Um, won a bike district title in 13. And then um, we move on to Southwest PSJ, which is about 18 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. My youngest, Caleb, graduates from Southwest, played center there. And um, and then I just went to La Jolla. After he graduated, I went to La Jolla. I had friends in La Jolla. The coach Fadiez, the head coach, a good friend of mine, called me if I wanted to come over and help him. I said, man, sure. Jumped at the spot. So, you know, I've been blessed in the sense that I've coached my three younger brothers and my two boys. And then my three younger brothers at, at one point in time were part of my staff. So the other cool thing is my first year at Raymondville, I, I coached a kid by the name of Farrell Williams. Farrell Williams goes off and he plays um, oh, he plays football his freshman year at Stephenville, but he's a high jumper. Mm-hmm. Graduates and is, he starts his coaching career in Maypearl. And then from Maypearl, he gets a job at uh, Highland Park in the middle school. Wow. So, his tenure there, I think when he was in the middle school, he got to see uh, Matthew Stafford, I want to say, was there. Yeah. Wow. That. So, yeah, that was cool. So I'm sure Coach uh, <laughs> Coach told him just uh, leave Matthew Stafford alone. You'd be all yeah. right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I hired when I went to Veterans, I hired him to be my offensive coordinator. So he was my offensive coordinator while we were at Veterans. Uh, so that was cool, you know, having ex-player work with me. Um, great young man. Uh, brought a lot to the table so that's been my coaching career you know uh it's been i've been in the business what going 30 plus years now mm-hmm. so it's just it's been a it's been a, a great great career i've enjoyed every minute you know one thing I, I keep some statistics on all of our guests you know you're the 32nd guest that we've had on the show and only you're you're one of the select few only 28 percent of our guests were able to coach at their high school alma mater so you, that, that's pretty unique that you, you instantly got to go back to Hidalgo and experience that. And you, it sounded like overall it was good, maybe a little bit of hurt feelings when you left and took your superstar. You know, right. your yeah. Well, you know, and, and it was one of those things where it was funny because board members got upset at me. They wouldn't talk to me for years. Right. You know? I mean, I'm their local guy, you know, and if you wanted the head track job, we would have given it to you. Well, the head track coach there, Barney Delgado was a great friend of mine. It's a great mentor. Yeah. Well, you know, school politics. I was not going to get involved in that. You know, that was wrong. Yeah. Um, the fact that my youngest brother wanted to go with me. Um, actually, this is the way it, 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 it all, you know, panned out. I, I, I told Sam, I said, uh, you know, son, I, I mean, because I'm, I got an offer to be head track coach and, and I'm going to take it. I think it's a good thing. Are you going to be okay staying here and me there? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be okay. So, you know, I called back and said, hey, I'll take the job. Well, about a week later, I get a call from my mom and dad. We need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. All right. You know, that, you know, when you're young, you know, they, they call you and you want to talk. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, what did I do? Your mind starts going. What did I do oh, wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, okay, what's going on here? Well, they told me, you know, Sam wants to go. He doesn't want to stay. What do we have to do? You know, got to give you legal guardianship for it. You know, what do we have to do? Mm. So, and then Sam went with me. Sam was, um, you know, stellar athlete. You know, he, um, graduate number four in his class 
Yeah. Uh, academically, he was, like I said, 13-8, hurdler, 23-plus long jumper. I think he ran like a 10-5 in high school in the 100, open 100. Wow, uh, that's moving. 46-foot, yeah, triple yeah. jumper, you know, and he was our 1,000-yard rusher back-to-back. -back the fullback started both ways, fullback safety, mm -hmm. earner. I mean, he's just all world. I mean, he's – I always tell people he was the ideal kid to coach. He was a coach pleaser, mm -hmm. always smiling. And when you get an athlete of that caliber, but you can't outwork them, those are hard to find. Absolutely. So he ended up going to Texas State as a decathlete. He had a scholarship there. So he had scholarships everywhere, but he decided to go there because he wanted my parents to be able to see him run. In college. Man, how much older are you than Sam? 11 years. Coach, it's just, uh, it's just um, like I'm almost getting goosebumps. Just the similarities between you and I. I have a younger brother that's 10 years younger than me. Wow. And I never got to actually coach him. I was coaching at the time, but we were at different schools. And so I never actually coached him, but I was very heavily invested, just like you were. I went to all the games that I could and was a big when he was growing up. I was a big part of it. And like your brother, he ended up getting a scholarship to a, you know, a Division two school in central Oklahoma. And mm -hmm. the thing I like to tell parents, my brother got that scholarship, a full paid his education, fully funded as a deep snapper. He's a deep snapper. And he just, he has that skill. And I'm telling you, if, if not all of us can be scholarship athletes, you know, people like your brother have that ability yourself, myself, we weren't quite that caliber, but yeah. even if you're not that caliber of athlete, if you have a special skill, like deep snapping, there is a pathway for you. Yes, and it so, is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those guys get paid a lot of money in the pros. Sure. <laughs> you know, those guys are very important. You know, that extra point, that field goal and that punt, you know, those things are very important, but and yeah, so that's pretty amazing absolutely you know and i i understand the um, when it's family and it's blood you know there there is the, the the tensions can be heightened and i think a lot of times parents may think when you had your brothers coaching for you oh they just got that job because of coach longoria or he's gonna go easy on them they're gonna it's they got it made i kind of find the opposite like there was a there was a, a short period of time my brother was gonna come coach with me when i was head coach at Aldi. I don't know if you knew this, but I was two years head football coach at Aldine High School, which I'm sure you know all about from the 1990s, some great teams. Um, my brother was going to come coach. It didn't work out, but I'll tell you this much. I can almost guarantee you I would have been harder on him than any other coach, and it's because we love each other. We know each other so much. I don't feel like I have to pull any kind of punches. I can just communicate with him very directly. You know, did, did you feel that way? Did you feel like your brothers almost kind of had it harder? How would you feel? Yeah, you know, we, we got that from mom. Uh, yeah. My mother's a tough lady, let me tell you. Yeah. Let me go tell you a story about Austin College when I get there. My freshman year, first week of two days, you know, I'm the only Hispanic on the football team, buddy. Uh -huh. And I'm, and I'm, I'm went from the Rio Grande to the Red River. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, yep. I'm not comfortable here. So my dad calls and says, son, how's it going? I said, dad, I call him on the payphone. Uh, that little gas station down on Grant Street. Haven't you remember <laughs> that little gas station that was there? Yeah. I went down to the payphone and called my dad. I said, dad, I think. How's it going, son? I said, no, nah, dad, I don't think this is for me. Well, let me send you money so you can come home on the bus and uh, you can go to school with your brother at A&I, Oscar. I said, all right, dad. And I'm about to hang up and I hear, ah! But I'm like, oh, man, it's my mom. I knew, I knew it. Like, and she says this in Spanish, right? She says, in, because she, my parents didn't really speak English. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my mother says, um, you know, I raised a man. Yeah. She goes, yeah. so you can start acting like one. I don't want you home. And unless you plan on spending the whole weekend on a bus, you better stay there. Cause I'm going to be waiting for you in the bus station in McAllen. 
And when you get down, I'm going to put you back in another one and send you back. I don't want you here. I love it. Oh my so God. it was like, okay, <laughs> there we go. That issue solved. And so that mentality of my mother, and, and you got to understand, I mean, we grew up dirt poor and, and all six of us have a college degree. And that's an anomaly down here in our area mm-hmm. growing up for us to be able to do that. But attributed, you know, the credit to my mother and my father, the way they raised us, especially mom. I mean, she cracked a whip. So when I coached my brothers, oh my gosh. I mean, I was... Uh, I was on the borderline insane with those poor guys, you know. Uh, I, knew, and, I had a feeling you're going to say that, Coach. I love that. Yeah, I'm the they, same way. They had to be, you know, they have to be three times the man, the, the guy next to them. Sure. Because you don't want there to ever be a question of, well, he's only playing because he's the coach. Exactly. You know, so they were they were great athletes in their own right. They earned their way. As a matter yeah. of fact, the other DBs got pampered compared to them. Uh, I, I bet, yeah. My younger brother, Sam, same thing, you know, great athlete. And, and I'm going to tell you what, Sam was, he's on the all-millennium track and field team in the Valley for the 110s and the three and, and the triple jump. Yeah. So he's an established athlete down here, uh, one of the Valley greats in track and field. Um, but I cracked the whip with him too, Yeah. you know? I mean, you're going to work twice as hard. You're going to do this. And, and it's funny because they I, we have a whistle with us, you know? It's a whistle we use. And... It didn't matter where we were to track me. And Sam's a good looking kid. You know, he's a tall kid. He's light skinned, green eyes, big smile. Mm-hmm. And, and girls would flock to him, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's winning. So every, but he'd hear that whistle in the middle of the field. And it was like a horse. And he'd turn and look. And I'm just looking at him. And he goes where he's supposed to be, you know. <laughs> Love it. That is awesome. So fast forward his freshman year at conference meet at Texas State. Uh, coach Don Hood is the head coach. So Sam is in the first day of the decathlon. And he's long jumping and, and Coach Hood is on the side with me. We're talking and, and Don's trying to get his attention and he can't. And I'm like, were you trying to get Sam's attention? Yeah. So I do the whistle and man, he turns, you know, he looks and I said, come over here. So he comes running and Don is like, Dad Goom, I gotta learn how to do that. <laughs> Here's the training. So it goes back to the, I don't know if you remember the Arabian horse strand, you know, the 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 lesson of the the guy trains all these great horses. And no, I don't. Out in the desert, and there's Arabian Sheik sends uh-huh. his emissaries to go out and get the best horses from the land, and he's going to create the best strand. So they come in and they bring all these horses, hundred horses. He's got them in a in a corral out in the desert, and there's an oasis close to them. And boy, he is just brutally training them. Yeah, he lets them go out to go get water. They start going towards the water. He blows the whistle, and then some of them come. You know, some of them don't. So he starts getting rid of the ones that don't. And at the end, the last one that stands, that hears the whistle and stays and comes back that's the strand of the arabian horse the greatest horse ever made you know created yeah. and so uh, we go fast forward and that's the story i always use an analogy i use with my athletes you know you want to be that guy and so sam got to learn that quick you know but as players it was brutal my son's the same way my oldest was like i can never please you dad no you can't you know uh, <laughs> and as coaches when they work for me well, my standard of them was so much higher of everybody else. Right. Sure. No, that, yep. that, that, you know, you, and, and, and it's funny because Danny, when I hired him at, at, at Rio, uh, he wasn't on my staff superintendent. We're at a track meet, sees him running around doing his job. And he's just enamored with this guy. AD, uh, Ray Ramirez is a good friend of mine. And, um, superintendent comes up and tells our super, our athletic director, Ray Ramirez, Man, I really like that guy, you know. And Ray goes, "That's his brother." So he looks at me. 
why isn't he here? I said, well, I figured two Longoria's was enough. I mean, one more, you know, I, I don't want to get in that dilemma, you know, because sure. it it's, it's, you know, those murky waters you got to navigate. And yeah. he just says, well, I'm going to hire him then. That's so awesome. he gets hired, you know, he gets hired and, and, uh, cause he asked me a question straight out. He goes, if his last name wasn't Longoria, would you hire him? I said in a heartbeat. Yep. Then we need to get him. So my brother's working with me, you know, to me, I thought it was more of a curse for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my oldest, the same way. Uh, my oldest was, he's a receiver return, uh, running back receiver mm -hmm. return guy. Um, Mark tells the story better than I do, but, um, one year Christian's junior year, um, he had, uh, two bulge discs on his back, uh, lower disc on his back and early in the season. So pretty much going to be out the season. No doubt. I want to play rehab toward the end of the year. We get him back and, and he's big smoke. I mean, the guy can run. Mm -hmm. So we're at, we're game 10. We're already in the playoffs game 10. We're playing at couch also, which is a perennial powerhouse mm -hmm. down here. And we're playing them at our place and the guys are there on the sideline and we come out of halftime and I go, Christian, you know, you got to, you got a cowboy up, man. You got a Longoria up. You haven't done anything this year. You got to do something, dude. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, and I go, I know you've been hurt. I said, but man, come on. It's last game, home game. He looks at me, he goes, Pa, if they kick it to me, I'm going to take it back to the house. Wow. He tells me in front of my staff, right? Yeah. Well, guess what happens? They kick it to him. And 96 yards later, he's in the freaking end zone. Wow. The guys are in that area in the end zone. They're going nuts. You see it on video. And, and my coaches are yelling while he's running. He told you. He told you. And he's like Babe running. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> he called yeah. the shot. <laughs> so he, uh, Yeah, amazing. So Christian comes down the sideline when he scores. He runs at me and, and he looks at me and goes, is that good? And I'm like, well, heck no. If you tell me you're going to do it and then you go out and do it, you should be doing it all the time. <laughs> There's no pleasing you. And he just walks off. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that that's the curse of being a coach's son, a coach's brother. <laughs> it's just tough. Amen, then, coach. I, I got one. To, I, I shared this um, I, on one of my other podcasts. I forget which one. I think it was the Ben Moran episode. But you can relate to this because it was the same age differential. When I was a GA at Austin College, my brother was a seventh grader. Yeah. You were probably about the same differential, right? So he was a seventh grader. And so I wanted to watch him play his first middle school football, you know, because seventh grade, he started playing middle school football. So, you know, as a GA, we play a game on Saturday, you know, we, we watch the film on Sunday, Monday, we bring in the players and then we, you know, watch the film, work them out, watch the film with them. And I think we'd give them, I think maybe we gave them a, or then we wouldn't have anything until the, until Tuesday. So Monday, after we finished with the players, um, so this is in the morning, uh, we, we brought the players in, watch the video. So I leave Sherman to drive all the way back to Sugarland, five-hour drive. I leave Monday morning after we finish the film. I get there just in time to watch his middle school football game, you know, and awesome. I, I show up, coach, and watch my brother, and his, he plays, uh, he's playing tight end. His team is getting thumped. And every time when they get a quick three and out or they throw an interception or they fumble it, all the kids walk off the field. Oh, and oh. I know you're just like me. Oh, no. My blood started boiling. Huh? My blood started boiling. And I watched this. I watched this travesty of a football game and I'm just getting madder and madder. And so it finishes. I'm sitting there. My mom's with me. We're watching the game. And I just I leave. I, I just I'm like, bye, mom. And I'm heading back. And she's kind of like whoa what's you know and i i get in the car and i just drive off i started driving to sherman i didn't say goodbye to him nothing I, i'm just out of there mm -hmm. it's about huntsville i make it to about huntsville and i get a phone call and it's my it's my brother's gotten home and showered and he and uh he calls me you know and he's like um 
hey, Jimmy. And I instantly rip into him and I say, and I added a couple choice words here, but I'm going to clean uh-huh. it up for my podcast. Uh-huh. I said, don't you ever walk on a football field again. And he, that totally surprised him. He didn't see that coming. And, and you know, and I'm just like, I'm just, I don't care how bad you're getting beat. I don't care about that, but you don't walk on a football field, you know? And I, I ripped into him. I said, I, I, I can handle you getting beat, but you're going to, you're going to do it the right, right. way. Right. And uh, anyhow, so he, he goes off crying in tears. My mom gets back on the phone, Jimmy, what did you say to Ryan? <laughs> you know? And I said, he's walking on the football field. You know? and so, right. The funny story is though, now my brother, just like your brothers, my brother's a defensive coordinator in Oklahoma. He's a head wrestling coach. And the funny thing is I, I watched the rest of his career. He never walked off the field again. He always hustled off the field and he played offense. And when the, when the defense would come off the field, he'd run to the sideline and high five the defense. Yes. He never sat down or walked or did anything. And now he's a great coach. So you're right. Tough love. It can, it can help oh, too. Definitely. You know, that, that, that's a definite, you know, and, and, and you have to understand there's, there's higher standards and, yeah. and um, you know, like I felt now that I look back in retrospect, I look at Christian, my oldest, well, Christian, I mean, poor guy, he was in a no win situation. Yeah. That was the head coach. His uncle, Sam was the offensive coordinator because yep. he was a new receiver for us, a slot receiver. And his uncle, Danny was the receiver coach. There was no slack for that poor guy, you know? Yeah. But here's a, here's a, a quick bit. I probably am the only head coach in America that's ever gotten chastised by board members for not giving my son the ball enough. <laughs> I think that is a first. <laughs> you know? And it was that year that he got hurt. I'm like, guys, trust me, I want to give him the ball. But, yeah. man, he, he's hurt. He's been hurt. He's been injured. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But, yeah, he, he – uh, but yeah, Christian, Christian, uh, you know, he cowboyed up, he sucked it up, he played hard for him to start at the position he started as a sophomore. You knew you had to be 10 times better than anybody around him. Right. Because it wasn't going to happen. Not, you know, not with me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, you know, that's the way I was raised. I was brought up to. And, and <clears throat> the other thing as a coach, and I don't know if you're probably like me, to he who more is given, more is expected of. That's sure. the kind of person I was. Yeah. So if you're one of the better guys, boy, you better walk a fine line. Right. You better do things a lot better than you're special. You got these talents. You got these gifts. By God, you better use them right. You know? Yeah. Man, some great stories, Coach. And I, I love your mom's story there. Because, yeah, I, I and I, I don't blame you for making that phone call because it, it had to be tough. You know, it had to be tough, you know, to, to go into that environment, especially this was many, many, many years ago. So things may have been a little different. I don't know what what you experienced or maybe maybe a couple of things were said, but I, I don't blame you one bit. But the thing is, now you talk about you are that human experiment, you know, oh, you staying yeah. there and being with those guys. It was the right thing. And you're, I think your mom knew that, that you, oh, know. you know, and, and I, you know, you know, my, my mom, you know, God rest her soul. She passed uh, 2020. She, she left this, um, but she let she left a big impression on all of us. Yeah. I mean, that was a little lady. I don't think she was even five foot tall, but yeah. five, well, maybe five to crack the whip and boy. Yeah. I mean, all these, all these men, you know, at home and my sister, you know, yeah. I mean, she ran a tight ship. There was no if, buts, ors. And it's funny because I share that story as a head coach, as a coach period with, with the groups I've been. And there's only been one group, two athletes that could relate to the story. Yeah, and Randall, the Wolf brothers, Tom and Brian Wolf, great athletes. They were all American decathletes at UTSA. They were my quarterbacks, and they related to it because their dad, our head basketball coach, Tom, 
he 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 was just like that you know yeah and 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 i mean but it's it's just different you know i mean that's where i'm where i'm at today and my brothers are where they're at today because of that tough love you know i think we've got as a society we kind of we've gotten soft and gotten away from that and and you know look at the results you know you know and one another statistic that i keep coach is i i i chart what percentage of my guests stepped onto the campus in college knowing that they were going to coach and my my results are kind of surprising to me only set only uh 30 percent of my guests entered college thinking that they were going to coach so 70 percent of them we're planning on doing something else. And then we're called back to coaching. I have a feeling you're going to be in the minority. I have a feeling you always known you want to coach, right? I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I'm oh. the 70%. I want, oh, really? I want to be, yeah, I, I got a degree in uh, business administration, accounting. Okay. Excellent. I Tell there, us more. Yeah. I, I wanted to go, you know, you grew up like I did and, and, you know, and, and, and I, uh, people say all these stories and sometimes I listen and people like to embellish, but you know, I'm going to put this in perspective and I'm going to be real with you guys. Okay. So y'all could understand. Yeah. Um, we're a family of five boys and a girl. My mom didn't work. She's a stay at home wife. Mm-hmm. My older brothers at, at, at Texas A&I is a freshman. When I have to do the FAFSA to go to college, I get my dad's income tax return. And this is 1985 going in 86. My father made $16,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that puts things in perspective. Like I told my athletes now, if if I was you right now, I'm the family that doesn't have internet, don't have AC, yeah. don't have cable TV, and we sure as heck don't got no cellular cell phones. Right. We, that's life. That was life in the Longoria household. That was life in the yeah. Longoria household, you know, certainly at that time. Uh, and so that's who we were. That's how we grew up. And and so when I went to college. You know, I, I wanted to go and, and have a better life because my sure. parents always talked about that better life for you guys. Um, my father moved, moved uh, to the States. We moved to the States from Mexico. My father was an accountant for the Coca-Cola company mm-hmm. in Mexico, and he wanted a better life for his family. So he moved to the States, but yeah. he started working in a junkyard and yeah. he was a, he, he swept, he was a janitor at a welding place in houston fco company yeah and then he became a welder he moved up and so my father ended up welding that's what he did but there was very little money to be made so i wanted to go and i wanted to make money i didn't want to live like this sure coaching was not something i thought that was in my future but i fell in love with it um when coach churchman gave me the the opportunity when i came home i still came home with that that thinking of i'm gonna come home see my brothers play and i'll be on my way and then sam you know, goes with me to Raymondville. He graduates. I moved up OC and then I get the head football job and it just, you know, it just snowballed on it. And, and, and I, you know, to me, it's a blessing. Um, I guess God had other plans for me. He definitely had other plans for me. And, and they've been great because in this profession, Carlos Godin is a doctor. Carlos Godin told me when I told him, you know what, doc, I think I'm going to coach. He goes, he looks at me, he goes, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who will be disappointing you, Carlos, but I think it's a great thing. Yeah. As a doctor, I stitch kids up. As a coach, you build kids into men. Wow. And that was profound. I mean, that was profound. And so I was like, okay, so this is a route. So 30 plus years, I've enjoyed every minute. I've coached my brothers, my sons. My brothers have been on my staff. I got another brother that's a head coach now. Um, 
it's been great. It's been a heck of a ride, you know. And I'm still married to my wife. You know, kudos to her. It's hard to be a head coach's hey, wife. Yep, a great coach's wife. <laughs> she is a saint. 15 years of putting up with me. You know, she is the ideal coach's wife. My wife Victoria. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things that I didn't go in there thinking that, and it's a different plan. You know, you roll with it, make the most of it, and, and enjoy the ride. No regrets. What a what a great story, you know. And I I just I love hearing that story of your dad. And I I think of my mom. I don't. And again, some similarities with us. I I I was born in Tokyo, Japan. So wow. my, I'm half Japanese. My mom's Japanese. My dad oh. had been in the army uh, in Vietnam, and then ended up in Japan. So that's kind of how they connected out there. Um, but I was born in Tokyo and came here and my mom, you know, similar to your dad, I remember her starting work at, at like a, a kinder care, like a daycare center, you know, just, yeah. just finding work, right. You know, not, not necessarily like a full-time professional job, but just finding work. Yep. And now, and now she's the, uh, she, for many, many, many years, she's been the general manager of a Japanese travel agency and very successful businesswoman. So I just love this, that those, awesome. those kinds of stories. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. But Okay. So, you know, a couple, a couple other little coaching things. You, you, you shared a funny story about how you went from being, you know, a, a genius to a bum all in 50 seconds in your, your track coaching career. So can you, you share that one with us? Yeah. So we, we go to attract me to flower bluff. I had a pretty good track team at the time. Sam was on that team, my youngest brother. And so we're running the mile relay and um, had three of the guys in the mile or two of the guys in the mile relay ran in the four by one, the sprint relay also. So sprint relay handoffs, those of you guys that know track and field, mile relay, it, it's a look and exchange. You turn, look, and grab the baton, right? The exchange. Sprint relay is a blind exchange, you know? You just put your hand back, and, and the incoming runner puts a baton in your hand. So uh, dynamics are very different. Um, so we're in a mile relay running. My first leg comes out and splits a 49. And, man, we go blind exchange, you know? And it's, man, we're rolling, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we're rolling. And, man, I got some good old boys back there going, man, did you see that? Yeah, go blind exchange. Yeah. That boy right there's a genius. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there feeling pretty good about myself, you know. <laughs> so my second leg comes in, he comes in, splits a 49 2. We're in the lead, we're rolling. Yeah. And then the exchange goes bad, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's one of those we flub the exchange, but we still get it. We go. And then all of a sudden, the same old boy out there goes, God, dog, did you see that? What an idiot. Who's the coach? <laughs> and I turned around and go, hey. 49 seconds ago, I was like, a genius, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, don't, don't listen to the crowd, you know, don't listen to the crowd. Um, I always tell young coaches and, you know, you, you can't listen to them. You know, you got to believe in what you do. Um, you listen to your coaches. You listen to your players. Everybody else drown out the noise, you know, and, uh, and that's one thing I had to teach my wife too, as a coach's wife, she had to learn to keep her mouth shut, you know, up in the bleachers because they have to go through some really crazy people out there. But yeah, that was a lesson learned really quick. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> don't believe the hype. <laughs> no. And I, I, that leads me into a question that I always ask of my guests, because I, I hope that parent, I hope it's not just coaches that listen to this podcast. I want parents to listen to, and really because I want to highlight how professional and intelligent and committed these coaches are that in our, in our profession. And, you know, now that I'm out of coaching, I do a lot of broadcasting, uh, Carlos, like I, I go to three games a weekend and I'm a color commentator, you know, for high school wow. football games here awesome. in Houston. And uh, I hear some of the stuff in the stands now, now that I'm in the stands and I just, I hate it. I just hate it. I hate hearing it. Cause I know how hard these coaches are working, how great they are, but you're right. It's, I guess it's kind of something that that's a nest. 
it's not something we can probably stop, you know, it's not going to go away. So what my my question for you though, in my opinion, when parents do that and they're ultra negative and they're questioning the coach at every turn and, you know, always trying to, I understand that they're fighting for their kids who they love, but always trying to fight the kids battles for them and not, not letting them experience any adversity and things of that nature. I think they're hurting the kid in the end. I think they're making it a, a less positive athletic experience. So my question for you, you've been doing this a long time. You've coached several younger brothers who are like almost like your sons, you know, a 10 year difference, almost like your young Sam is your son. You've coached several of your, 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 your sons. What advice would you give to a parent? Cause you've been a parent and a coach. What advice would you give to a parent to say, Hey, this is what you need to do for your child to have the best athletic experience. Well, I, it's funny. Cause I had that conversation with a parent many years ago, I was at mission veteran and uh, this parent was agitating uh, upset, you know, and, and I've always told parents when they come in, you know, I, I, I applaud you for being here on your kid's behalf. I applaud you, man. I I'm all with it. I'm all for it, but you know, you have, you have the ability to just complain or worry about one child. I have to worry about all of them. Mm-hmm. Just like you worry about yours. I worry about, they're all my sons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I said, and I told that parent, I sat him down. I said, listen, you know, your son gets invited to parties, right? Yeah. And your son, you know, likes hanging around with his football buddies, right? Yeah. I said, and that's great, right? That makes you feel good. He has friends and he's always out and his buddies. Yeah. I said, so what you're doing here, you're creating a problem for your son. And I want you to understand what you're doing because see in the locker room, there's a pecking order in the locker room that exists and no coach or parent can go under and change that pecking order. Mm. And when the parent wants to go under and change that pecking order, the locker room takes offense to it. Yeah. So what's going to happen to your child, your child is going to be ostracized. He will no longer be invited to parties. He will no longer be one of the groups. Eventually he's probably going to quit, drop out, and he's going to resent you for the rest of your life. So if you really want to be a mother, a father that loves your child, let him get in there. Let him learn the valuable lessons of hard work. Mm-hmm. Okay. The greatest, uh, I read a book, uh, How Children Succeed. Can't remember who the author was. But you know, the number one uh, ingredient for success is a non-cognitive trait, grit. Mm. How do we get grit? By failing and learning from our failure. Yep. Correct? Amen. These parents don't allow that. So, you know, you, you have to educate the parents and that's, and I understand you love them and I understand all this, but but they, they, they're going to go out and step out of here one day. And so if you're doing this, these things are going to happen to your child. Your child's going to turn around and hate you. Now, my question to you, mom and dad, is, is, is your son miserable? Is anybody mistreating him? Is anybody being abusive? Are we talking foul language? Are we pushing him around? Is he being hit? Well, no. Well, then he's enjoying himself. Let him enjoy himself. And it's hard for parents to understand. The other thing that I found, okay? And, and this, an old friend of mine, George Pena, a longtime coach in the Valley, said it best, you know, and, and it's, I might step on some toes here, but who cares? I've been coaching long enough. I've deserved, I can say my, <laughs> yeah. but usually it's the parents that never played or if they did, they weren't very good. They're trying to live vicariously through their kids. You know, George Pena used to say a translation in Spanish. He said it in Spanish, but translates, the mesquite tree doesn't produce bananas. So th- don't expect if if you weren't a very good athlete, there's a genetic code in the body, man. I'm sorry. There's a genetic code. And it exists, you know, and we can take non-athletes and we can build them by hard work 
and doing several things, but some just, they have, you know, extra abilities, given God-given abilities. So understand that. And, and, you know, I just think to me, a lot of this um, club team, all the stuff. And if, if, if you look back and you track back when this phenomenon started getting out of hand, it's when these parents started investing and I'm investing thousands of dollars for my kid to play. My question was, you know, we were growing up, we didn't have that money. We would have never done that. But we go to the school and we're better than the other kids. So as a coach, who are you going to put on the field? The guys that are better, the guys that show up, they work hard and perform, you know? And, and, And I think that's where parents' judgment has gotten clouded. I deserve, they deserve, I've inputted, I've invested. Well, you know, I always told my kids, you're going to get an academic scholarship before you get an athletic scholarship. Yeah. You know? And and if you invest that money into them ath- academically, you'll pay for after school before you know it. But I think that's where we're at as a society now. And my biggest thing to parents is let your kid be a kid. Amen. Let him be. What did we learn from COVID? What did we learn from COVID? There's the value of athletics and coaches, because look at the mental issues that spurred out of it because they were they didn't have access to the teams to their coaches to their friends look what's happened okay this is the reality this is real this isn't yeah. fake we're not blowing smoke this is reality i've seen it in my place i've seen it i got coaches a friend co- uh, that are coaching all over the state and they're telling me the same issues they have so my message to parents is hey you know let your kids be kids let them be coached by their coaches there's not a coach in America that does not want the best for your kid. There's not. Amen. Now, you, you've said so many great things there, Coach. You've echoed so many of my guests that I asked the same question. Because at the end of the day, Coach, we, we're competitive. We want to win. That's right. You think we're going we're gonna to not play the best players? <laughs> we want to win the game. There, there's no coach holding a grudge. and not. But, oh. you know, you, what you brought up was interesting about, about when this kind of pay for play, all this club sports and all these personal trainers. And um, Peter Noonan talked about that in his episode is think about it. You're paying someone to work with your child. What are they going to tell you? Yeah. They're going to tell you you're the, you're the best thing since sliced bread to get you to keep coming back. So just that's one thing you have to keep in mind, right? Yeah. There's an old guy there, veterans, mission veterans. And, and he's, we got to be friends. His daughter was in a club team. And I would tell him, listen, man, for 25 cents and a cup of coffee, I'll tell you she's good. You don't have to go pay $5,000. I'll tell you how good she is, okay? <laughs> and, and, you know, and I was trying to get him to understand, listen, just let her be. Right. Quit, quit trying to put all this undue pressure on them. They're going to hate the sport, you know? That, 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 the sport, that's the you know? number one that, oh, overall overarching Coach Longoria from all the people I've talked to. The overall sentiment, the number one response is just be a parent. Let mm-hmm. a kid be a kid. Just love them. Tell them you love them. Tell them they're doing a good job. Tell them to keep it up. Keep working hard. Keep that grit. And, you know, the thing you mentioned about maybe ruffling some feathers about some of the worst parents are the ones that are living vicariously. Oh, I can echo some of that. I've had the pleasure at Ridgepoint and here in the Houston area. I've coached a couple players of former professional athletes. The, those parents were the best. And right. because they get it, they understand how difficult and competitive athletics is. And so I always tell you the story. You'll know this guy. I know you'll know this guy. He's not technically a Texan. He's from Louisiana, but I'm sure you've heard of Bucky Richardson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Aggie legend, the quarterback. Quarterback we, at A&M. There you go. Yep. We, and so we coached his son, John Paul, at Ridgepoint. And John Paul had a great freshman year last year at Oklahoma State. Anyhow, 
the, the story that my, my, my former head coach and mentor always tells is that Bucky Richardson was one of the greatest sports parents we ever had. He, he started, he helped us with our youth football team and he coached them and he, we'd have clinics where we would show, he'd bring in all the youth coaches and we'd show them what we're running on offense and defense. So we start getting that chain all the way from peewee football up into middle school and high school. But the thing is what, what coach Stephen always tells is Bucky Richardson never once said anything about what plays we were running or, and, and obviously he's a former NFL quarterback for the Oilers. He's an Aggie legend. He's obviously qualified to insert his opinion. Never once did Bucky ever say anything about any of that all he said was coach how can i help that was always that that was the only is, is coach how can i help and he gave his time and money to coaching those peewee teams and so th- that's beautiful right you know he gets uh, yeah it. but get them to understand that you know yes. I'll, I'll go one step further and you know i'm a big manning fan yeah. because of the dad do you remember the story when uh, Peyton talks back to the coach. He's in middle school and they're going off and no. dad goes to the coach's house and go up in the porch and you go, you go apologize, son. Yeah. Archie Manning. Yep. But, really? I mean, really? That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, and again, we go back to people that have had, um, they were successful, whether at the high school level, collegiate level pro, mm-hmm. but people that knew what it takes to get in there, you know, get down and dirty, what sacrifice is, what hard work is. You know, um, and just because you work hard and you sacrifice doesn't mean you're going to be the starter. Correct. You know, that that doesn't mean. But the greatest lesson is that that you're part of something bigger than you. You know, and these parents can't see that. And, and they've been blinded. I, I think as a society, we've become very complacent um, because if you remember, and it might not have happened when you started coaching, but when I started coaching, you know, we really followed the UIL rules. If a parent was obnoxious in the stadium, they escorted them out. Mm. Those rules are still in play. Right. Administrators don't have the backbone to say, you know what? This is happening. Sure. You, you need to be out. And so we've conditioned the society. It's sort of like Pavlov's dogs. We condition them to do whatever they want, and we cower to them, and, and that happens. So I could say in, in my tenure, you know, um, I, I've never – I've always stood my ground for the beliefs that I have on what's right and what's fair. Um, and and I'll say this to parents. Do you really think, okay, th- this is a very, very difficult job. Coaching is a labor of love. This is a difficult job and we don't get paid the money uh, that other people get paid. Trust me when I tell you that, because you know as well as I do. Mm-hmm. If you take your stipends and divide them by oh, the hours, <laughs> yeah. you know, negative pennies for hours. Sure. So, do you think someone that does that would actually be out to try to hurt your child? Sure. Okay. Really? I mean, there's no logic, you know, I'm going to use my Spock, Mr. Spock logic, you know, the Vulcan logic. There is no logic in that. Sure. Zero, none. Uh, You know, we go back to what you say. They probably never played And Bucky Richardson is a prime example of that. Yeah. He, get, he gets it. And I, I see what you're saying about not enforcing someone. And it, it just, it makes me sad. I, I mean, I'll see a video of like little league umpires getting punched in the face or, you know, attacked. And I'm like, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing if we're going to go physically assault an umpire who is giving his, yes, he's getting paid, but a very small amount. And he's giving his time to help keep this going for the kids. And I just, that honestly, coach, that makes me sick to my stomach when I see videos like that. But 
you know, en- enough, enough of, of some of the bad things, you know, we're here to celebrate, you know, the show yeah. and celebrate great career like your, yours. And one last question I had for you that I find really interesting, you know, Mark Parrish told me that you're actually a really big fan of, of, you know, all kinds of, of levels of football, including high school and collegiate football in Mexico. And oh, I yeah. find that really interesting being half Japanese. I actually follow the, the Japanese like highest level of American football in Japan. It's called the X league. And mm-hmm. so I, I follow it on the internet. I'm not able to watch a whole lot, but I, I, I read what I can and see who's doing good. And I just think it's so cool to watch football in other countries. And, and, you know, like I said, all of my mom's family still lives in Japan. So wow. my wife and I, we got married in 2017. We went to Japan for my honeymoon for our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got to go to a thing. You'll like this story. I got to go to a thing. It's called the rice bowl. And what the rice bowl is, is they, they did it at the, uh, at Tokyo dome, which is the big dome where the Yomiuri giants play. That's basically like the Yankees of Japanese baseball. Uh, and we went in there and the, to- the rice bowl is the X league champion. So like the pro league champion versus the collegiate champion. So, you know, we always say, what would it be like if, you know, an NFL team played Alabama? Right. I got to watch it in Japan. I got to watch the professional champion play the collegiate champion. And yes, the pro, the pro teams overwhelming win those games. So yeah, very high percentage. The professionals do beat, beat the collegians, but um, it was just so cool. And I know in Mexico, there's a really good American football scene. I, I, I've seen some of those intercom, international competitions that Japan competes in. I've seen Mexico there putting forth good teams. I know some teams here in the air. I think Katie high school played a, a team from Mexico uh, well, in a couple of years. So the, can you the tell thing us more with about that? Yeah. yeah. Jay, I'm sorry to cut you off real oh, quick. Yeah. The thing with that is that like, even I, when I was, when I first got to Hidalgo uh, coaching, we played teams from Mexico, Las Prepas, the preparatory yeah. schools, which are the feeders to the colleges. Mexico has been playing football since before the forties. I don't yeah. know if you're aware of that. I did not know that. So coach Conover, Brooks Conover, my high school coach, he actually coached in Mexico, and I want to say he coached uh, La Uni- Uni- Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León, which are the Tigres. They're I've, the big rivals. Tigres. That's what I was going to ask you about. That's the one I've heard of a lot. Yes. And you, you were wearing their colors. The okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that their, their sisters or their rival schools in Tecnológico, Monterey Tech, which right. is part of them too. Part of the South, you know, um, and mm. they're the powerhouses there. So he coached there with a guy by the name of Gus Avaleta, who won national titles at the Tech and at UNAM. Wow. Yeah. He, he won. He coached there at the time when they were national champions. And so I have gotten to work with their older gentlemen, but they coach in the Valley. Guys that played on those teams from the Valley that were actually players on those teams. So they recruited heavily. Um, their schools like La Universidad Autónoma de, de Puebla, um, down in Puebla, Mexico. Those are Division One schools down there. Those guys play real football. Yeah. There's a story Coach Conover told me about back when Daryl Green and those guys were playing at A and I. Hill was tied in to play for the Rams. Uh, I forget the quarterback, and they were really good. They went that string where they didn't lose a game in I don't know how many years. You know, in the seventies, late seventies, mid seventies, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Monterey Tech came up and scrimmaged them, and they lost to them by three points. Yeah, I believe okay. it. So that's been going on for a long time. That's been, you know, I, when I was at Veterans, we played uh, La Universidad Autónoma de, 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 de Coahuila. Um, and they came over and played us. When I went to Rio, they came over and played us. Even two, three of my athletes at Rio Grande City were recruited by Puebla University. And for those people that don't understand, you get a degree from tech, 
Universidad, uh, la Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León, uh, Puebla, Coahuila, México DF. Um, it's, it's, it's a valid in the United States by the Southwestern Association, whatever. Yeah. But it's valid. It's a valid degree in the United States, a degree from there. So people don't know that, but they've been playing football and, and, and high school football there. It's gotten so much better. Yeah. Uh, but because because it, there's an emphasis. I, I tell you what, Google any one of those places and look at their facilities. Yeah. You're going to be amazed. You're like, oh, my gosh, really? Coach, and coach, I mean, you, I mean, obviously, you're an Austin College guy, so you know Jan term, you know, or we okay. take the little the month okay. of January as its own little semester. I went to Querétaro, Mexico. That's where oh, I really? studied Spanish for my Jan term. I lived, I lived with a family there and it was really cool. They sent us down to the local language school down in uh, downtown Querétaro. And so then they brought Mexican students studying English. So we would, we would speak in Spanish. They would speak in English. And that was some of the best experience of my life is just us doing that together. And I love Querétaro. It's beautiful. It's mountainous. There's these like stone cobble streets. I mean, I love that city. It was so amazing. My time there, but I have a question for you about high school football in Mexico. Uh-huh. So it sounds to me, though, that there are these high school powerhouses that are having to like recruit. So most of these kids, are they coming from kind of like all over the country? You know what I mean? Like they're not necessarily like yeah. playing for their zoned high school. They're, they're, they're traveling to one of these prestigious so, football schools. Put things in perspective. In Texas, we don't allow that. UAL doesn't allow it. Sure. It happens. We don't allow it. But you go anywhere in the other states, you know, like uh, what is that place? Uh, in IMG Florida? Academy ing academy right pretty much i guarantee you, if ing didn't get what they do from from mexico i i really want to see where they got it from because i'll give you an idea at tech monterrey tech yeah they recruit kids so they have like middle school they have pop warner middle schools okay high schools and then they got the prepa intermedios yeah and then the best go to college so think about having three or four pop warner leagues the best kids of those three or four or five leagues come together to form the middle school league. So now you got, so it's a pyramid effect. Yeah. Bringing those kids and they're being scholarship. They're being scholarship being brought and, 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 you know, they want to play at tech, you know, that's, that's their, 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 the, 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 they want to get to the top of the mountain. They want to climb the mountain. So that's how they do that. So they, yeah, they recruit. Yes. But you, you see like popularity on those peewee youth football leagues all across the country of Mexico. So, or is it, or is it, is it kind of centralized in certain cities where it's more popular it's, than others? It's your metropolis areas, right? Sure. Your, certain areas, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's big, you know? And it's like, you know, they got the right idea. You'd like to do that here in the States and Texas, but <laughs> UIL says, no, you can't, sure. <laughs> you know, but you know, um, it's unique. Mexico's unique when it comes to that. You know, it's that old saying in Spanish, Mexico lindo y querido. You know, my Mexico. Beautiful. My beautiful yeah. <laughs> love, <laughs> love. My Mexico, my beautiful, Me- my beautiful, beloved Mexico. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yep. And that's that's what it is down there. But uh, it's pretty interesting, you know. It's yep. pretty interesting. Down there. No, and very, very cool. cool. You know, so now we're kind of getting towards the end of the show. You know, we just to know more about you, your favorite team. You said the Texas Longhorns. I'm also a UT fan. And then, you know, you said it's been heartbreaking recently, but you're optimistic for the future, as am I. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Mannings. So, you know, Arch Manning is committed to the University of oh, Texas. Yeah. Uh, um, and you said you like Division II Harding University because you have a good relationship with their offensive coordinator, Kenny Wheaton. Mm-hmm. And as far as NFL teams, you like you mentioned, you, you like to support uh, Texas high school quarterbacks. And I, I actually, for the show, I just kind of wrote them down. I went through in my head. Matthew Stafford is from Highland Park for the Rams. 
The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes from White House. The Titans have Ryan Tannehill from Big Spring. The Panthers now have Baker Mayfield from Lake Travis. Andrew Luck retired, but of course he went to Houston Stratford, who I actually coached against him. This is a funny story, coach. When I, my first year coaching at Clements, our quarterback was Derek Carr, the Raiders oh, quarterback, because his brother yeah. David was playing for the Texans. Right. And so in the playoffs in round two, it was Andrew Luck versus Derek Carr. And we, wow. I got to coach in that game. So wow. that was pretty cool. But uh, so, of course, we got Derek Carr of the Raiders from Fort Bend Clements. Um, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts from Channel View uh, here in the Houston area. And then Kyler Murray for the Cardinals of Allen High School in the Metroplex. So you were right. That's an extensive. Drew Brees. Fowler oh, yep. from, UT, from Austin Westlake. Drew Brees from Westlake. And what's his name? Fowler, right? Was it Fowler or Fowler? What's his name from Westlake? The one that played the, won the Super Bowl for the, for the Eagles. Um, oh, the backup that came in. Yeah, yeah. they came in Fowler, after. Uh, I don't think it's Fowler. Fowler. I'm, I'll have to think of it later. I'm drawing a blank right now. Darn it. Yeah, I've, I've drawn a blank. But uh, yeah, whenever uh, Carson Wentz got hurt, he came in yep. Yeah, and won the Super Bowl with him. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyhow, I just thought that was really cool, all, the, all those quarterbacks. But now we're going to go to our start bench cut portion. I, I'm sorry, I forgot to update this uh, in your show notes. So it's, it's not, it's incorrect there. I still have my, my last guest notes, but I'm going to ask you to name some of your favorite legends here momentarily from, from the University of Texas Longhorns football and Texas high school football. And this portion is always, as always, is brought to us by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Uh, Joey Florence, this is a guy, a name you probably recognize, the longtime Denton exactly. Ryan. Yep, Denton mm -hmm. Ryan coach, now he's 80. I served on the board of directors with him. He so was you know, the director when I came in. Okay, so Joey Florence and Denton ISD, they use this service, the MVP Marketing Group. Basically, the CEO, Mike Vogelar, who's a good friend of mine, if you're looking to attract sponsors, to partner with your program and make money in that way. That's where Mike's expertise is. So Mike will put together marketing plans to try to get local businesses to support your program. So if you want, if you're interested, give him a call. His number is in my show notes and he'll okay. help you out and give you a discount there. Guess what? Fellow con kangaroo works at Denton ISD, Shane Montgomery. That's another name that Mark Parrish has told me. And I, we are working to try to get a Shane Montgomery episode for sure. He's really close with Joey Florence. That's why I, I, when you said Joey Florence, I said, yep, he's really close with him. All right, here we go, coach. Now that's time. I'm going to give you, I, I, we're not going to do a start bench cut. We're going to do what I call the Mount Rushmore. So your top four. I want to know your Mount Rushmore of Texas Longhorns football players. So yeah, I know you've seen a lot of good UT football. If you had to pick your top four all-time favorite players, who would be your Mount Rushmore of Texas Longhorns football? Got to be the man, Vince Young, number one, all time. I love Stuff. it. Houston Madison, Houston Stuff. Madison. He's, he's done. Madison. Yellow Rose, Tyler, Earl Campbell. Oh, yeah. Love you, Blue. Love you, Blue. Those Oilers days. Non-Texas boy, Ricky Williams. You got to count him. Heisman Trophy winner. That's my childhood, Coach. That's why I fell in love with UT. <laughs> and, and, and the guy that's dear to my heart, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. I, I love that, too. Just, I mean, he, he doesn't get hurt. We, we beat Alabama. National title. No doubt. Firmly and, Coach, I, it just popped into my head. It was Nick Foles is who we were thinking of for Nick the Eagles. Foles. There you go. Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles came in and won that Super Bowl. But, okay, that was perfect. And you, you had no hesitation. So you, I, I knew you'd be great at this. Give me your Mount Rushmore of Texas high school football quarterbacks. Because I know you, you mentioned that specifically. You love Texas high school football quarterbacks. So if you had to pick your top four Texas high school quarterbacks, who, who are your favorites? Well, again, you go back to Vince Young. You know, yeah. the things he put at Madison. Um, uh, Matthew Stafford at Highland Park, absolutely phenomenal. Patrick Mahomes at White House, mm -hmm. and and um, 
uh, Kyler Murray at Allen. I mean, you look at this guy, the body of work they've done. Uh, it's unbelievable. You know, I'd go to Drew Brees, but, you know, I'm more contemporary right now. The names I'm telling you are contemporary to me. Absolutely. You know? but Drew Brees, he'd be number five. Uh, he's probably tied in there with those guys. Yeah. Because of his accomplishments at, uh, at, the, at the college and profession. I don't think he was as good as they were at the high school level, though. Because I don't think they were throwing the ball as much back sure. then. Absolutely. You know? Man, Coach, this was so much fun. If, if, if everyone listening enjoyed it as much as I did, please, again, take 10 seconds. Give us that five-star review. That's going to help more people find the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe, and that way you'll get a new team player podcast in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. when I release a new episode. If you're loving the show, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo, Coach underscore K-O-V-O, or send me a podcast at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We're homegrown here. I, I take I take suggestions from listeners and I find guests, just like Mark Parrish suggested Coach Longoria. So please reach out to me. Say, hey, you got to get this coach on the show and we will make it happen. Um, as always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is one more uh, good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find all, all his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Carlos Longoria, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Jay, thank you. Let me leave you with this. Never stay the same. Either you get better or you get worse. So let's work on getting better every day. Hey, man, love it, Coach. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for, for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but